Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio. Yes, indeed, The Weekend Report is on your radio, and we appreciate you being a part of it. Tony Colombo here in studio with producer Andrew from The Dave Glover Show, and my partner Chris Arps is joining us live via remote connection from his basement. Are you in your basement? I am in my basement in my home studio. <laughs> Tony, this go. is uh, social dis- distancing to the extreme. That is correct. We are practicing proper social distancing today on the weekend report, but that does <laughs> not stop us from bringing you all of the topics and information and news to discuss. We've got a great show for you today. Coming up in the next segment, we're going to be talking to Dr. Randy Tobler, of course, host of the Randy Tobler Show, which you heard earlier this morning, every Saturday morning here at 97.1 FM Talk. Uh, Dr. Tobler, not only is he a talk show host, and not only is he a doctor, but he runs an entire medical system. He's in charge of the hospitals. He's in charge of the medical buildings and all that stuff uh, in the town that he lives in. So he is uh, a great wealth of information when it comes to this coronavirus stuff. He is on the front lines of it. He's been working 15-hour days every day. When he and I are texting back and forth, I usually don't get a response until almost 10 o'clock at night when he's getting home from the hospital. So he has been dealing with this coronavirus situation and has great uh, information for everyone. So really looking forward to that discussion. And then also coming up the next hour, we are going to talk to the police chief of our hometown, Florissant, Missouri. When I say ours, I mean mine and Chris's. And yes. uh, uh, the police chief there, new police chief, is Chief Timothy Fagan. And want to talk to the chief about some things that we are hearing. I'm hearing a lot of rumors, Chris, and I don't know if you've heard this too, but uh, I've been asked a couple times, and I've I've heard a couple different stories and seen a, a few different stories on social media of people saying, I know you know somebody who has a cousin who has a coworker who was pulled over out of the blue in the middle of the day, and the police officer was harassing them and and asking them, Why are you out? You're not supposed to be on the streets right now. Do you have what where are you going why are why are you leaving your house and i'm not sure that that's really happening i don't know that people are getting randomly pulled over 
and having to prove that they are out for an essential reason. So I want to get to the truth on some of that stuff from Officer uh, or, or Chief Fagan when we talk to him at the beginning of next hour. Have you heard anything like that? Are you hearing any, like, uh, coronavirus, I don't even know what to call them, uh, <laughs> uh, urban legends, I guess? <laughs> I have not, not. Not like that. I mean, I hope it doesn't get to that point where uh, the police have to use a little force in trying to get people to use common sense and to stay in while this virus is going around. But uh, I'm sad to say that it wouldn't surprise me if uh, there were a couple of true instances of that. Yeah, well, we'll find out. I know I got asked. I was checking out at Schnucks earlier this week, and I had driven straight from work. So I had been here at the radio station and before I went home, I stopped and I picked up some groceries, and the checker asked me, have you been out driving a lot? And I said, well, I just drove home from the city, so I've been in the car for a little while. And she said, are, you, are, are police pulling people over? And I said, not that I saw. <laughs> and she said, I'm, I, I heard that they're, that they're pulling cars over and, and, uh, and make, making you prove that you, you're allowed to be out right now. And I said I haven't heard that, and I haven't seen that, and since then I've 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 heard that same story two or three times. So I want to get to the truth on that. I also know that there are a lot of stories about you know how do police are police officers out enforcing these rules? Are they going into buildings and making sure there's not gatherings of ten or more, and there's signs on. You know, mm-hmm. convenience stores that say no more than ten people allowed in the building at once. Are are police officers? Do they have the time and the manpower? And is it a priority for them to be out, you know, enforcing those types of rules? So, a lot of questions for uh, Chief Fagan. You know, it was really strange. I was in Walgreens the other day, and uh, the young lady that was the manager, she was out uh, putting uh, tape masking tape or not masking tape but duct tape on the sidewalk that was like six feet apart so in case the store is crowded um people would able to be able to space themselves outside they're starting to do that inside the store um in the line so that you keep uh, social yeah. distancing so you know what i'm gonna make, really hits home i'm gonna make an admission i'm gonna admit to a <laughs> i'm going to admit to a uh a bad Social conduct, Uh-oh. and I didn't even realize I did it. I was at the hardware store of all places mm. earlier this week, and there was uh, there was one person checking out, and then there was another person way more than six feet away, probably <laughs> a good eight to ten feet away, right, standing kind of outside of the checkout lane and I uh, thought they were like I, I hope you're not going where I think I you're thought going. they were looking at like the candy or something but they didn't and So that's how you rationalized it? Well, I didn't I honestly <laughs> didn't think they were in line. I honestly didn't. And so I just walked into line uh, where I normally uh, would as this person finished checking out wow. and then as I started checking out, I realized that that yeah, person yeah, was actually <laughs> waiting in line, but like way. I mean, we're talking about ten feet 
behind yeah. this guy, and I had, I mean, no, was not in the line at all, like not in the I mean, aisle. You know, you got to use a little courtesy, like, uh, ma'am, I know you're back buying the seafood, but are you uh, checking out right now, or I, can I, uh, you know, I get would in front have, of you? And I would have stopped, but the uh, the the guy had already started ringing up my items. Otherwise, yeah. I would have said, oh, yeah. crap, I didn't realize I'd cut you off there. See, Tony, that's one of those instances where you just uh, pay it forward and you just pay for her stuff. It was a man? And then you make it, and then you just pay for his stuff, and then and you make it all good. And it was a hardware store? Yeah. And I don't know what he was getting. And I don't have Chris <laughs> Arp's money, so I can't be doing that. <laughs> I hear you. All right, so let's get into some of this stuff. How are you? Yeah. How are you feeling about this week? So you know, every it seems you know it, it, the world changes every single day. So it's been a week since you and I uh, were on the air together and and having this discussion. Has has anything changed for you this week? Your perspective on things, uh, your feelings on where we're at, how, where you at right now? Well, I think my perspective really changed. Um, when I, you know, gave him the story I just told you about going to Walgreens and seeing it just right there in your face where, you know, they're marking out six feet of uh, space in between people in the checkout lines to, to not have uh, to have this virus going along. And it's just things of, uh, you know, it's hard for me to stay inside. So I have to get out and take a drive and go around. And it's really startling when rush hour traffic, usually you should be in traffic jams. The, the traffic's not that, that, not that uh, heavy. So I see uh, signs like that. And, of course, uh, the lack of toilet paper on the stores and schnooks and in other oh. stores is a very stark reminder uh, that uh, there's a crisis, a virus going uh, going around. What about you? What, what, uh, I'm, I'm starting to get worried about toilet paper. <laughs> we, we were in pretty good shape when this whole thing started, and we we stocked up, yeah. um, not not in extreme fashion, but got like one extra big twenty four pack. So we had like our normal amount, and then my wife bought like this big twenty four pack, and this was a couple weeks ago, and we have five people in the house, right? So okay. we go through toilet paper, so we're not. We're not out yet. We've got we've got a few days left, but I haven't seen a roll of toilet paper yeah. on a shelf in two weeks at least. And I wonder, I wonder what the percentage of the people that are listening don't have toilet paper. My friend, you've got to do uh, like my wife does and get on some type of Amazon deal where we where we're supposed to get it every couple of weeks. Yeah, but the, even Amazon right now says like guaranteed delivery by July fifteenth. <laughs> Tony, tell me this now. You're a Hazelwood uh, Central grad like I am. You yeah. played on the football team, mm-hmm. and you remember one of the traditions was to uh, TP someone's house mm-hmm. um, the night before the, a big game. Yeah. Uh, if there was like coronavirus and stuff going on, we probably wouldn't be playing games yeah, at that time. But if we were, would that upset you if, if you saw all that toilet paper being wasted right now? Uh, yeah, on a on a house. I think I'd be collecting it. <laughs> but you know, you do it on a night that it rains. I think so. I'd be out there bundling it up. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. hope not. Yeah, I would. Oh think my that, God, that would be the apocalypse. That's I think the that sign of the apocalypse. Ex- yeah, I think that would be an extreme waste in times <laughs> like these. So I did a poll on the Dave Glover show earlier this week on my Twitter, 
Uh, but during the DGS, and it was something that we had talked about on the show, and and Dave wanted you know to to see how a poll would turn out, and I basically mm-hmm. just asked, uh, assuming the coronavirus stays on the track that it is now, that it doesn't mutate, if the death rates don't you know skyrocket or anything like that, which it isn't, but it yeah, if it just stays, if it just stays at the rate that it is now, um, how how long do you think current restrictions should remain in place? And there were a few different options, but the bottom line of the poll showed that the people that were listening and participated in the poll, which was a few hundred, um, it was about 60% that thought either three more weeks or less of what we have right now should do it. And only about... 37 or 38 percent were saying, oh, I'm I'm good as long as this takes. So, again, non-scientific Dave Glover show, three-hour Twitter poll, you know, with a few hundred people. Certainly not a cross-section of the United States or anything like that. But I feel like that's about right. I feel like there's a small majority starting to form of people that are okay, they think we've done everything right, and they're, they're they're supportive of the schools closing and the social distancing and not going to work and staying at home, but they've only got another two or three weeks of that in them before they are going to start to say, okay, we did what we were supposed to do, I need to get back to work. Um, yeah, I, where do you? How, I, how do you feel about that? I think what I don't think that anyone can put a timetable on it, but but God, and I think we've got to listen to the scientists who study epidemiology and infections, viruses, and how they spread. And I think I think they're cognizant of the economy can't stay down permanently. That you know we have to work, we have to get the economy going, but the public health is just is even more important in my opinion because you know you can't have sick people going into factories and the places of uh, commerce and infecting people and the virus starting again i've heard of a date of july 4th which you know is a couple of months away that's what kind of the time frame they're talking about this virus being contained i think that would be a good date to shoot for you know tony i got a good question for you for a poll for next week yeah you should ask people on the Twitter if everything is given the okay and restaurants and bars and everything's opening up, would you flock to a restaurant right or right away? Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I, bet, I don't think I would. I don't think I would either, but I bet there are <laughs> some I bet there are some people that would. I'm not a big ball. We're not like we don't eat out very often anyway. We're we're takeout people anyway. So I've just been taking out from the same restaurants that I usually take out from. Let's, let's um, put it this way. Let's put it this way. If in a couple of weeks, less two, three weeks or less, and the president said everything's fine and you had two prime tickets to opening day at Bush, would you go? I probably would. Would you, take, would you go and take your family? I probably wouldn't. I probably wouldn't. But... I think a lot of people would. Right behind the backstop, the green seats, Tony. The green seats, <laughs> the green right seat. behind. You're on Wait camera. Wait a minute. I'm on camera every pitch? Yes. All right, we're there. <laughs> I hear you, man. I hear you. 
<laughs> yeah, that's 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 probably a different that's probably a different story. Yeah, I had to break I had to break it down for you there. <laughs> yeah, Drink absolutely. Seats. So you know what? I've, I've, there's there's more of this discussion that I that I want to have because we're almost out of time. Uh, we're going to talk to Doctor Tobler next, and obviously we'll be able to ask him some of these questions too. But uh, I agree with everything you just said about the right thing to do is to listen to the scientists and you know make sure that this doesn't continue to spread. But you also have to take into account just human nature, and at some point there are going to be people out there saying. Look, it. I'd almost rather take my chances with coronavirus and get back to work than those are the knuckleheads. Yeah, but but these are also the part time. These are also the people that are working hourly wages that are not making any money and afraid of losing their house and afraid of being buried in debt, even worse than they already are because they can't go to work. I think we'll, that talk, they, we'll talk. We'll you know we'll talk about this later. But there is like a two point two trillion dollar aid package that, yeah. you know, I'm not saying it's going to cover everything, but it's pretty generous. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And, you know, maybe if they are getting those government checks, that would uh, that would stymie that motivation to go back to work a little bit. But I just feel like at some point, and I don't know when it is, I keep kind of feeling like it's maybe two or three weeks away, but I just I feel like not. we're going to hit a lot, we're going to hit a wall where the majority of people are saying, okay, I've, I've got. We've got to get back to work. We've got. I've. I've. You know. I've got to pay my bills. I can't do this shelter in place anymore. I, I think once wrong. the weather gets warm, people are going to get extreme cabin fever. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And then you and have social like, distancing. Be damned. And then you have people like the mayor of Chicago who are threatening to even close down the parks because too many people. They kept telling everybody, "Look, you can't go to restaurants. You can't go to the theater. You can't, you know, go to a concert or anything like that, but the parks are open. Go for walks, go for <laughs> bike rides." And now the mayor of Chicago is saying, "Hey, too many of you people are going to the parks like we freaking told you to. Now I'm going to close the parks." Like if you keep taking all that stuff away from people, it's going to get it's going to their patience is going to wear thinner faster. So, that's what I think. I hope people just become rational. And, you know, I saw a video the other day of this woman who's a nurse in a hospital and she was crying and all that and was talking about the horrors of just watching people, you know, suffering and dying from this. So, yeah, I just hope people take take it take it serious. A lot of people are recovering. The media doesn't tell you that. Right. But the people that aren't recovering and there are some younger people that aren't recovering. You know, it's been a, uh, a hard row. Well, let's get the facts from Dr. Randy Tobler, who deals with this every single day and has a lot more firsthand experience than you or I do. So uh, we'll get some really good information when we get back. Don't go anywhere. We're going to talk to Dr. Randy Tobler next on The Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Report 97.1 FM Talk, Tony Colombo in studio with producer Andrew, and Chris Arps is remotely connected from his basement as we are practicing proper social distancing. You still with us, my friend? Yes, I'm uh, here. And, and there's Dr. Randy Tobler. Chris, are you here as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought yes. you were speaking to the good doctor. <laughs> yes, no, and as I mentioned in the last segment, joining us now, the busiest man... In the world, 
<laughs> at this point in time, he's got a radio show. You've, he was already on earlier this morning. He's putting in overtime on the radio. He's working 15-hour days in the hospital. Dr. Randy Tobler, thank you for carving out a few minutes to talk with us, my friend. How are you? Always my pleasure. I'm doing good. We're uh, occasionally running on fumes, but we find a few hours to sleep. <laughs> oh, but, uh, I can't even so, imagine. So far, so good. Yeah, I can't even imagine. So we talked to you a couple weeks ago, and as Chris and I were talking about in the last segment, uh, a, a couple weeks at, in the environment that we're in right now is a literal lifetime, and it just seems like the world changes every day. Just in general, what are your thoughts on where we are at in with this coronavirus situation uh, are things getting better? Are they getting worse? You know, I just how are you feeling at this moment? Well, I, I think you know, you know, Tony and Chris, how we we feel like often as conservatives, we find ourselves saying in the era of Trump, "I told you so." Yep, that's what I said. Hmm. Uh, I'm glad to see when it comes to COVID that what a lot of us were predicting that what was initially a heavy-handed approach and frankly, a justifiable and necessary approach because we didn't have the testing. We didn't have that rapid turnaround. We weren't really sure where we were in terms of the, the prevalence of the disease and, and geographically and, and in terms of its intensity. I think we're, we're coming to see a new light about this. And we heard Dr. Bricks talk about it a couple of days ago. Uh, we've heard uh, Donald Trump talk about it uh, earlier last week, this past week. And it's, it's about a more nuanced approach to the way we attack this, trying to balance the realities of the disease process and geographic and business and interpersonal relationship realities, such as the difference between uh, a lot of areas in the Midwest, the heartland, where, where there's rural areas that are more spread out. People do not have those, those uh, concentrated you know, assemblages like they do in New York, for instance. And so I'm, I'm glad to see that there is at least a, a, a now, I think, a, a reconciling of the biologic realities of what we know about the disease, which is still emerging, we're still learning, and the economic realities that you have to, you have to factor in, not only the hard dollars and cents realities of our reaction, of our response, but what, is, what are the mental health, the physical health, those kind of spinoffs from that economic um, collateral damage, if you will, that's been profound. I mean, we've never seen... What was it just uh, on Thursday when they brought out the the uh, unemployment numbers? You know, we, we've never seen yeah. unemployment claims like that. And the devastating impact, I'm getting calls daily, uh, several times a day, from patients who are either pregnant or have delivered from non-obstetric patients, all of our primary care doctors. I know everyone, uh, you know, throughout the land, anxiety is just rampant. Uh, exaggerations of depression and, and just it's terrible and you can only imagine if this goes on forever it's going to be a problem indefinitely so I'm glad to see that they're 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 talking about light at the end of the tunnel I don't think it's exuberant optimism that's unjustified on the part of the president and some of his more um, visible spokespeople these days like Dr. Bricks and I think we're going to come to a time now that uh, we're, we're seeing the rapid testing coming along we're going to be able to better define what areas do we need to lock down? Uh, what areas do we need to maybe be a little more um, loose with? And then what areas can we say in the next week or two or three, whenever we still are determining that, can we say, hey, go back to life as usual, be smart, wash your hands, 
uh, don't cough on others. If you have a lower threshold for not going to work, these probably are going to be good uh, personal behavioral hygiene habits to develop for all of us on flu seasons going on, not only for recurrent COVID, now that it's with us, it will be with us, but regular influenza, which we have to remind people has killed about thirty to 40,000 people in America this year, and, you know, we're nowhere near that with COVID yet. So that's where I stand. Very good. Good, Chris. Dr. Tolbert, I want to thank you again for all that you you do on the radio station, giving out information and what you do in your, you know, in your medical practice, especially in these trying times. I want to thank you for that. You know, I threw a hypothetical out to Tony earlier before you came on. The president has thrown out a, a, a date, a goal of Easter uh, to reopen the economy and have everything uh, open back up. And, of course, it depends on the scientists and, and the experts and, and what they believe. But if the, the economy was opened up by Easter and there was a Cardinal game and you had two tickets in the green seats right behind home plate with your family, um, would you feel comfortable taking your family to a game uh, with all those people in three weeks? I think I couldn't say until I knew what the uh – at the proximate near that time, the last few days or week before that, what we were seeing in terms of the number of new cases mm. per day in the city of St. Louis, and those mm. stats should be available at that time. And if the, if there was a deceleration of the number of new cases, we tend to look at total cases. We see this mm. big curve that just goes up like a like a rocket ship taking off. That's that's cumulative cases. I'm looking at the curve that says, what are the number of new cases each day? And if that's plateauing or falling, I think that concept of herd immunity would probably lead me to feel more rather than less comfortable with going ahead and going to that game. That said, I might wear a mask. I don't know. I'd have to know what was going on. And it would depend. If I'm sitting right behind the Cardinals dugout, it's probably going to be a different decision than if I'm in the nose. <laughs> right, exactly. That was what I said. I said no at first, Doc, and then he said, you're right behind home plate and you're on TV for every pitch. And I said, all right, I'm in. <laughs> Tony, let me, let, me follow, let me follow up on one, yeah, one thing. You know, even if everything is given the okay, and it's, you know, I've heard of a date of July 4th of opening back the economy. I'm just wondering, and I know people are going to have cabin fever with spring and summer coming, but are people going to flock back to the bars and the restaurants and to the games, even when the all clear has been given, or will that take time to to get back up to what it was before? I think it depends on who you are. If you're in a high-risk group, I think you're going to have a little more hesitancy about that than if you're in a lower-risk group. You know the way I view this? I think each individual... It's going to be like your shower in the morning, Chris. You know how sometimes everyone has, for the last two weeks, been forced to step into a shower totally all the way to cold. (laughs) Absolutely numb, mind-chilling, I don't even know what I'm thinking, cold. (laughs) And then we all have a tolerance for how hot we want it and at what rate we want to open it up to the hot side. And so I think if you're in the Midwest and you're out in farm country, And, you know, Trump says, hey, you know, here's my recommendations for this particular type of geographic setting and uh, and taking into account the local prevalence of the problems or better yet, his his medical spokesman. You're probably going to get real comfortable more towards the warm side. You're going to heat things up right away. If you're in the heart of New York City next to the hospital where 100 people are dying and they have a they have a mortuary Hmm. truck, a morgue truck, a cold truck to hold the extra dead bodies 
maybe I'm going to make some buffalo wings myself at home. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'm going to Cheers then. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I think it's, it, it's a matter of how I, – I view this literally as sort of the faucet analogy. We're just going to – it needs to be nuanced depending on the, on the local vicinity, the personal risk, and, that in, and, and also the personal perception of risk. Talking. And everyone has a different calibration on that. And I'm hoping that those basic tenets of liberty – and security and the balance that we've always had to, to struggle with, that tension in America, whether it's been a wartime with an enemy or a wartime with this enemy, that's the way I would calibrate it. We're talking to Dr. Randy Tobler. Doc, from your perspective as a doctor, what do you feel about Trump's line that he has been, uh, it's been sort of his mantra here the last week or so, that we can't make the cure worse than the disease? He's taken some uh, criticism for that line. You know, there are people out there that think that is just absolutely stupid, that there's nothing worse than the disease. Uh, that, how could you say that? Of course, what he means is we don't want to damage the country's economy and put people out of work and out of their homes. You know, I think we all understand what he means. But that line, um, is it is it a good line? Is it a good train of thought? Or is it misguided that it, it, it takes I the think, eye I off the prize? I think readers are called to to promote and telegraph hope and optimism. That's what leaders do. That's what good leaders do. Not, but not a false sense of, uh, of hope. And I think he's actually, in the last few days to, to week, calibrated that pretty well. It's been a more coarse exposition of that. I like the way Dr. Bricks calls the talks. She always, I love her, her news conferences with him. He, you know, she kind of steps in and says, let's, let's get a little perspective here on this. Let's realize that the vast majority of us are going to do just fine. And this is going to be something we're going to tell our kids and our grandkids about. And, you know, we're going to manage through this and it won't affect us. But for those it does, it can be, it can be severe. But we have to have an aspirational attitude about this. Rather than doom and gloom and indefinite suffering, in terms of economic suffering, you have to, as a leader, do exactly what he's done. Um, and I, I think there's enough of the negativity going on, particularly in the left stream media, that we don't need to worry about that voice being heard, right? That there's trouble in River City and we better shut it down. And if we don't, it's going to be here forever. And there's going to be 100 million ventilators needed. That's over the top. And people have heard that for too long. I think he's trying to counterbalance that. Um, that said, I think it's it's high time that they be very careful about talking about um, specific areas that need to be, you know, tightened up and continually tightened. And so when he says open the economy, I'd like to, to hear him say going forward, and I think you will, hey, let's open the economy wherever it makes sense to open the economy. Mm -hmm. That's what makes sense. Yeah. And in some places, if it's right for people to go to Easter service and take some precautions and maybe have an outdoor service rather than an indoor one, weather allowing – Sounds great. Um, so I think I'd, I'd like to hear it. And I, I think, yes, we do not want to ruin this economy for, for a generation. I mean, the Great Depression lasted a few years, but look at the carnage. The suicide rate was about, depending on who you read and what stats you look at, about 14 per 100,000 right before the Great Depression. And at the height of it for several years, it went up to between 18 and 21 per 100,000 citizens of the United States. So, you know, that's a 50% increase. Yeah. We can't afford that. And you can't fail to calibrate that when you talk about the cure, because just like medical treatments can hurt people, and in some cases result in their demise, even though we're trying to, 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 to make people better, the same thing can happen with this fix. And it's good that he's reminding us of that.
Go ahead, Chris. Doctor, let's talk about let's talk a little politics and the two trillion dollar elephant in the room. Um, yeah. This the Congress and the President has signed a, a package that's going to uh, create or inject two trillion dollars into the economy. Um, people lost their jobs out of no fault of their own. So, you know, people say that it's justified. But where are we going to get this money from? Um, and if it's China, do we lose some of our leverage that we have with China in trying to get good trade deals if we need them to buy these bonds? It's China. Go yeah, ahead, Doc. I, I, I don't know where we're going to get the money from. I'm worried about the the, the, the incentive for people not to work. There, There's the potential that some folks are going to actually, between their state unemployment and their federal unemployment now on top of that, um, going to be making, you know, at or what are more than they were making before. That to me is a perverse incentive and it doesn't speak well. Uh, it's not good for the human soul not to work to put bread on the table. That's a that's the, one the of my proponents will say that's only for four months, though. Yeah, but that's OK. I mean, it's still a concern that that's what they say only for four months. Remember, back in uh, in uh, eight and nine, they they extended it for it went up finally to 52 weeks and it went up and up and up. So I don't know. They've been talking about stimulus four and stimulus five. I mean, Pelosi's talking about that just on, uh, I guess, a couple of days ago. So uh, I don't know where we're going to get the money. I'm concerned about it because I think what you're seeing here is a massive redistribution of wealth. They're not getting if they gave everyone a check, including Warren Buffett. I don't know whether you agree with me on this. I'd rather I'd be happier with that than if they selectively gave it only to a certain people at some arbitrary number. What if you make seventy five thousand dollars a year, seventy five thousand and five dollars a year? You don't get a check. But if you make sixty nine thousand seven hundred and ninety five dollars a year, you know, seven hundred ninety nine thousand five hundred dollars a year, you're going to get it. You know, these arbitrary things trouble me because it starts. It talks about class division and about. Um, picking winners and losers. The other thing I'm worried about is I, I'm not happy with the equity stake that they're talking about with the, the airlines, you know, and others. I'd just rather give them a loan and garnish their profits, just like you can garnish wages if someone owes you money. <laughs> you, know, you, yeah. you need to garnish their profits rather than having them have a voice in governance of the large, some of the largest companies in America. We've actually created socialism here in our response in a minor way. I hope it remains a minor way, and I hope it doesn't become a bad habit that's never going to be broken. Um, so I, where are we going to get the money? I don't know. I don't know where we got the $22 trillion. We're in debt already. So it, you tell me, Chris. And Doc. finally, I think we're going to need to make we're going to need to make some serious decisions in terms of where we want our supply chains when it comes to critical infrastructure like healthcare things. And while we're talking uh, rare earth metals, go ahead, Chris. I know you have. Fun. Oh, I was saying, you, you know, some of the the uh, proponents of uh, taking taking equity stakes in the airlines will look at the bailouts with the auto companies where they bought the stock. Eventually, they sold the stock and made a greater profit from the, the sale of stock than they would from um, interest from a loan. What would you say to that? I I don't know. I mean, I, I they're not taking they're not taking an ownership role in the small businesses that they're loaning money to. Why, why can't it just be a simple loan? I'm just a simple guy. I want to keep things simple. And when you get politicians and their their appointed boards and their inspector generals, as we've seen, we've been let down during the whole uh, Russian uh, hoax thing by the inspector general. No one wanted to press charges where they should have. I, I I know that there's some oversight, but the more oversight you have in the swamp 
the more tomfoolery there is. And I'd rather have it just a simple loan that's paid back with interest. Dr. Randy Tobler, we are almost out of time. One last question for you. What yep. would you like to tell people about this coronavirus situation? Uh, is there any misleading uh, reports by the media that is believed on a mass level? What do people what 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 do you want people to know about the truth of this coronavirus and maybe, you know, settle some people's nerves a little bit? Yeah, I I want people to know that they have an overwhelming chance of doing well with this, um, even if they're over 60, as long long as they take reasonable precautions and they don't do silly things at a time when this is still expanding. Um, And I also want them to know that there are scientists across the world and in America and everyone working round the clock, and this should give people real hope to identify either the existing drugs that have been so touted, the hydroxychloroquine, uh, you know, potentially some other antivirals that are out there, um, that they will come up with something that is likely to, if not cure this problem, at least prevent the, the grave illness and death in most cases. And, and, and I, I really do trust that medical science will come through with some real triumphs, um, maybe not until this first peak is over, but certainly for the next peak when, when and if it does occur. And, and that people should not stress out their immune systems, their relationships, worrying about this. Because if you're, doing, if, you're, if you're taking the right personal precautions, and especially if you're one of the high-risk groups, the elderly, uh, anyone with the chronic uh, medical conditions, uh, the blood pressure, especially diabetes, heart disease, or you're on autoimmune-suppressing uh, immune suppressing drugs, yeah, probably good to honker down. It's a good time for those folks uh, who have friends that aren't affected to take good care of your friends that are vulnerable. It's a time for us to come together and realize there, there will be light, and I'm actually beginning to see it. It's at the other end of the tunnel, but we're a lot closer now than we were the last time we talked. Great stuff. Great information, Doc. Dr. Randy Tobler, of course, you can hear him every Saturday morning here on 97.1 FM Talk. And uh, we appreciate your time today, Doc. Hang in there. Get some sleep. Take <laughs> care of yourself uh, while you're taking care of everyone else. Have a good, have a good rest of your Thanks. weekend. All right. Thanks, Thank Doc. Thank you, Doc. Thanks for your work. You bet. Take All care. right. We need to take a quick break. We're going to get back, got some more headlines to tackle, and then coming up in the next hour, don't forget we are going to be talking to the police chief of the city of Florissant, uh, talk about uh, the police response and what they have had to deal with during this coronavirus situation. So don't go anywhere. Plenty more. We can report coming up on 97.1 FM Talk. With Back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo in studio. My partner Chris Arps is remotely connected from his basement as we practice proper social distancing this week on the Weekend Report. Another big thank you to Dr. Randy Tolbert for joining us in that last segment. Great information from Doc coming up at the beginning of the next segment and the beginning of the second hour of the Weekend Report. We're going to be talking to the police chief of the city of Florissant. Florissant, of course, is the biggest city in St. Louis County. So they've been dealing with a lot of stuff in that city. And there's a lot of questions and some rumors about the way police have been 
uh, enforcing various coronavirus-related rules. So we're going to get... We're going to get the truth and get some information from Police Chief Timothy Fagan of Florissant in the next segment. Only got a few minutes in this yeah. segment, Chris, but uh, I want to dive back into something that you touched on there with Doc and that we touched on a little bit in the first segment, but really haven't had a chance to talk about too much, and that is this relief package. You talked about how that is going to help some of the people that are out of work, that are afraid of losing their house or losing their job or getting buried in debt. This can definitely help. It's not a cure-all. A um, lot of controversy about this relief package for various reasons. What are your What are your thoughts of of the package so far? Well, you know, I share the same concerns that Doctor Tobler has: is where are we going to get the money uh, to really pay for this? We can borrow it, but I, I fear that we lose the leverage with China and some of the deals that we're trying to accomplish with them if we have to go to them with hat in hand, borrowing money. Um, there were some concerns with the bill, you know, in some instances, some people, uh, when they get the federal unemployment combined with state unemployment, are going to make are going to make more money than they were before the crisis. So there are some problems with the bill, but of course, anytime you do something quickly and the politicians are telling you you have to do it or the economy is going to shut down and we, the world as we know it ends, you know, things get stuck in it that uh, that you that you're not happy about. But I hope that this keeps the economy open, uh, on uh, floating, keeps people, you know, employed, not employed, but keep people being able to pay their bills and stay in the houses until the economy gets opened uh, back up, hopefully in a few weeks. You want to know why people hate politicians and hate because they lie? Well, and because they take advantage of a coronavirus relief package and they stuff it full of things like millions of dollars for the Kennedy Center and post-dispatch, post, post, uh, post office debt paid off. Yeah, environmental regulations for airlines and things like that. What was your re- I mean, that is to me, that is just the heart of disgusting politics. What did you think of that? You know, Tony, Rahm Emanuel said it after the economy crashed in 2008, and he was going to be Barack Obama's uh, chief of staff, incoming chief of staff, that Democrats believe in you never let a good crisis go to waste. And when you look at this one for the Democrats, it's a it's a it's a twofer. One is the Democrat. The Republicans have five senators that either have coronavirus or are out. So that limits uh, their majority. And it's something that needs to be done quickly, which always you can put these type of uh, Christmas tree items into it. So they looked at those two things, the coronavirus and the the Republicans not having their their full strength majority and just said uh, we can get our pass our agenda that we knew know that the president Trump would never sign. Right. I hope that people realize how disgusting it is. I, I think they have, Tony, because, you know, there's been a couple of polls that have come out. Donald Trump is at his highest uh, approval rating ever since his presidency. And these aren't right wing polls. These are ABC, yeah. Washington Post, uh, MSNBC polls. I think the Democrats overreach and I think the American people are, are seeing it. I don't think they believe that he's a racist because he calls this the China virus and that's when it comes from. I don't think that people believe he called this originally a hoax. I think the Democrats are, are overreaching and I think these incredible poll numbers really for Trump uh, are saying that. 
That is Chris Arps live from his basement, and that is one (laughs) hour down and one hour to go. Don't go anywhere. When we get back, we're going to talk to Timothy Fagan, the new police chief of the city of Florissant, and we'll talk to him about how police are handling this coronavirus situation. Don't go anywhere. Don't forget, you can download our podcast on the radio.com app if you missed anything from today's show, and don't go anywhere. An entire second hour coming up next at the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. In a warm bed and it was Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 